Hello and welcome to the fourth official's EPL and World Soccer Podcast. I am your host here with a special guest. Kenley of Arsenal <laughs> Fandom is here and ready to talk about the Premier League title that Arsenal is currently in against the inevitable figure of Manchester City. Um, Ken, it's been uh, an up and down stretch here for you guys there's been so many matches since the last time you were on and you were only on two weeks ago i know yeah it's been yeah we're in the busy time busy games are uh, fast and furious uh we're getting the week games now weekends so it's hard to keep up it is hard to keep up um your arsenal team has dropped back to back 2-0 leads which is brutal one of them is sort of acceptable in liverpool at anfield um, you might have kick-started Liverpool's season, Ken, as even they win this week. Um, and, and having your team drop the two goals in back-to-back matches while City is peaking with their super team. And I will give you, Ken, what I think the problem is, and it's not profound, okay? Mm-hmm. But first, let's start with that game. West Ham 2, Arsenal 2. Arsenal jump ahead. They're up 2-0 in the 10th minute. Odegaard with a nice backdoor finish. And Gabriel Jesus with a nice early finish, um, also on the back post, I believe. Um, little, that was an MLS scrummer, right? The Jesus goal? No, it's crossed uh, right across. No deflection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right, you're right. Back post on, on the... They were the they were lovely goals. They, they, they... Yeah, both of them were nice. Uh, but then you, you crap away a penalty against the run of play... Which happens, right? That that's that's how there's always going to be pens called against you. We're in the VAR era. It has changed the attack, and it means that all these teams—Arsenal, Manchester City, Manchester United—now um, they understand that in order to win a game, you can't win one zero. You can't count on one zero anymore because of these VAR handball uh, calls, or in this case, um, a, a post basically a, a post-reaction trip you know back in 2010 that might not even be a pen because refs used to err on the side of caution because goals are important ken and should be earned um in this case it was a pen it was a penalty for sure it, it was a penalty um but you know then it's two to one that's the 33rd minute and you guys kind of fell asleep and you, you seem tentative after that goal went in, after a flying start. It looked like you just wanted to sit on a 2-0 win. And United, and excuse me, Arsenal dropped two goals. Uh, Bowen scores in the 54th minute. And so what what do you think's going on, Ken? What are your hopes? How do you turn it around, etc.? I think the biggest issue we're facing right now is the, the extreme drop-off in talent from Saliba to Holding. That's exactly what I thought. Um, so we are greatly missing Saliba. And maybe even more than we're missing Saliba, we're missing the confidence that Saliba gives Gabriel. So mm-hmm. what we have is, I don't think that, that that penalty is given up with Saliba next to Gabriel because Gabriel's not being forced to do almost one and a half times the work. Because holding is just not the guy to be back there like there's a reason he doesn't play when Saliba's fit there's also a reason that the last two games Liverpool West Ham we've shipped as many goals in those two games as we did in the five previous games before um so we really just need to 
We need to get over the fact that Saliba's got a a, a a troubling back injury that I guess is is more severe than Arteta and Arsenal want to give off because I'm hearing he's not going to be available for Southampton either. Um, so we just need to figure out how to get Gabriel and holding back. I'm almost at this point, holding has, has reassured his spot on the bench. I almost want to see put uh Tierney over there on on the right have Zinchenko on the left and put Ben White back at center back because I don't know what else to do but I think that we're going to continue to ship goals with holding uh in the back with with Gabriel I I don't think anything less than a 3-0 win Friday at uh against Southampton is is going to do so yeah Okay, I mean, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, Pete is the one who actually said it when it came when Holding came onto the field uh, to replace um, Saliba. Saliba has been so good this year, and the the downgrade there is so huge. And really, Ken, if you go back to the beginning of the season, this is why Manchester City is favored because the they have three center back their their depth center backs. That's three, four, and five are players that are international starters at the very least, and most of them cost 70 million pounds or 65 million pounds. They have four center backs that cost 65 million pounds right around there. I'm not super interested in I don't really care about that. I, I only care about Arsenal right now. I only care that that's fine, but we are still four points ahead. Granted, they have a game in hand, and we still have to play them at Manchester City. But if we just get back on track, stay the course, we the title is still ours to win. It's also ours to lose at this point. It is yours to win, but the reason that Manchester City is steamrolling people with no injury problems per se versus why you're you're dipping is because your number three center back sucks. Rob Holding sucks. Like that, 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 that oh, game last worst. year. I, yeah, I was thinking about it. I was like, he's. I, I don't know if he is a Premier League center back. I'm he also, might be a Championship center yeah, back. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out. Uh, I don't I, I don't think that this is necessarily a hot take per se, <laughs> but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this. I also do not enjoy. The amount of needless pressure put on our defense, <laughs> especially right now with Rob Holding in the back, that Thomas Party puts on us with his very, and he's good for it, very lazy two or three passes per game. Yeah, the pickoff pass. He does that yeah. a lot, and then he's always very slow to get back. And it, it it's forgivable when Saliba and Gabriel are back there because those two, I think... Um, as unbiased as I can possibly be, I do. I think that Gabriel and Saliba, for a very meaningful amount of time, were the best center back pairing in the league this season for a long time. Y- yes, I agree. Um, so the midfield could give up some possession sometimes, but now we can give up no possession because we have Rob Holding back there. And we do have Ben White, who Saliba also helped out. Ben White's too slow to be the wing back that he's playing because he doesn't fully understand 
the position yet because it's not his position. He makes attacking runs at ill-advised times. So he puts us under pressure doing that as well. But that's been covered up because of the duo partnership between Saliba and Gabriel. So long story, Thomas, Mm -hmm. we're collapsing right now because of an injury and our lack of depth in the position that we have an injury in. If we could afford an injury in any position, it was never going to be center back. Never. Yeah, I, I agree with all your points. Um, I hate to say it, Ken, because, you know, I don't want City to win the title. But it was inevitable. I mean, this slide is inevitable. It's not I over think... yet. You're talking like it's already It's over. not over. It's not over, Ken, for you. But... I mean, I'm looking at it as a unbiased, and by that I mean I dislike both teams. Um, probably Arsenal a little more because we have history. But, I mean, City right now is peaking. They, sure. they have coverage in every single position. They have a much easier run-in. Even the match that will they got to play Brighton at, away this weekend. That's going to be tricky. Yeah, I mean, Brighton's good. And they're coming off a Champions League match, even if they did uh, steamroll Bayern. Um, but they having to they get to play you at their home. Yeah. And I mean, they they're just they have so much. They're not, are they playing Brighton this weekend? Yeah. Sorry, they, they play you. Yeah, they 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 play you. No, they, uh, that that's postponed. They play. Um, oh, is that they, postponed that game? game? Been, it hasn't been uh, picked uh, yet. They play Sheffield up, yeah. United this weekend. You're for right. The, you're uh, right. You're right. Sorry. Uh, but but they just have so much depth, and that's what keeps them healthy. That's what, coming down the stretch now, they have all these options that you don't have. And Arsenal, who were up eight points um, with, I think, ten games left. With it, there's some games. There's a game in hand there. But it's been a game I mean, in hand this for a while. This is a brutal, yeah. brutal slide, especially to drop it being up to nothing. It's not like you guys like gave away a couple quick goals and couldn't recover. You did the opposite. You scored quick goals and couldn't hold it. And with Rob holding in the middle, I just I see it as inevitable. Ken, I put a bet on Manchester City in January, right before they played you guys, when the when the gap I think was eleven points or ten points, but there were games in hand. Obviously, we also missed a PK. Um, and then three yeah. minutes later, Bowen goes down and scores the tying goal. It could have been 3-1, but less than five minutes later, it's 2-2. So, yeah, it, it you need – Arteta said it. You, the inches it, – it's a game of inches. The inches need to go your mm-hmm. way. The inches have not gone our way the last two games. This is a long season. Stretches were going to come yeah. like this. Yes, we've lost our padding, but we are still mathematically in control. Yeah, that's what Chaka said after the game. I mean, you guys have a tough run in, though. You have Chelsea. They're terrible, okay? Don't get me wrong. They are bad. But you know you know as well as They'll I do. They'll put a game do, together. They will. They could show one game, show up for one game this year, and it'll be against Arsenal. Then you have Newcastle away, then Brighton home. Yeah, it's Then hard. you have Forrest, who will be relegation scrapping. And that Wolves game probably won't mean anything to Wolves at the end of the season. That's your really only break, and City just has the uh, relocated Brighton game. They do have Champions League and FA Cup to worry about, but again, they have all that depth. So I would say that the the mantle is on City. I think City is favored, and one thing I don't like, Ken, if I'm an Arsenal fan, is 
If I'm Arteta, I'm piling the pressure on City, and I don't think he's doing a good enough job of it. I'd be talking about trebles. I'd be talking about, oh yeah, well, you know, they're favored now. I would. You, you got to shift that pressure because right now he's just trying to plow through, put his head down, and be like, "Oh yeah, just I'm just worried about Arsenal." That's fine. I think that you, you got to take shots at City. You have. I to. don't know. I think you you dance with the girl you brought. You know, so the whole season yeah. we've been we're worrying about ourselves. We're worrying about the very next game. I don't think that with five games left in the season or six games left in the season, how many games are left? I don't even know how many games are left, but um. You stick to what's been working up until now. I mean, the whole entire season, everyone's been saying, oh, Arsenal won't be at the top of the table at, by the end of the month. They won't be at the top of the table by the by the start of the year. They won't be at the top of the table, you know, come April. And we've been there. So mm-hmm. what we're doing and what Arteta's doing is working. Can it? Can we foresee it out? Like, foresee it, see it out for 38 mm-hmm. games? I don't know. I would have been more confident in us doing it without the injury to Saliba but you know, you every team has injuries. Unfortunately, we just don't have the depth required at that position because we're still kind of you know bringing the squad up to where it needs to be to be challengers consistently. So I think that that will come as, as the transfer windows pass. We'll, we'll we'll start to have depth at every position. Right now, we just unfortunately we got hit in really the only position we don't have depth in. Yeah, um, I mean, Rob Holding. That's all I have to say. Like that's that's his. Yeah, we got this other guy, Kubor, but I mean, he's played one game. Like, yeah, you. I mean, that that just is a a factor of not being Manchester City, where you can buy twenty players in four windows. That's all that is. Sure, and I know. I know you don't want to give it. I know you don't want to look that way. You're just trying to focus on Arsenal. But that's the reason you guys are really sliding is because they don't they don't need to slide. They have any position. Any position goes down and they have a top five in the league player that they bought at a price that was top five at the time. That's yeah, very true. Because of that. It's very true. Um, but like KDB went down. Like they replaced him with a guy, Bernardo Silva, who was sixty five million five years ago when that was the eighty five million. You sure. Know? I mean got I mean our new striker went down. We paid fifty million for him. He went down, yeah. and he was out for three months. And it was like we didn't miss him at all. It's just going down in the one. It's just that center back position. Like, and it's just one of the things we have to go through it. We have to make it through it, and we've got to learn from yeah. the mistakes we've made the last two games. I I think we'll all be tuned in over the next two weeks as your your season will be. I mean, you you got to finish up. You're not going to finish lower than second, at least. But you have a really tough run in. The, the good thing is Arsenal does not have the FA Cup. They don't have Europa. They were smart to get out of Europa before you play games and then maybe get knocked out in the semis and get nothing out of it. Um, so, I mean, you got it as good as you can get it. You, you just got to figure out what's yeah. wrong with Saliba. Yeah. I agree. Move Ben White back into center back. But uh, my, I think Arsenal is in huge trouble. My big hope is huge trouble. Friday we play Southampton at home. I hope we absolutely smash them. Like, minimally 3 nothing. I hope Saliba's already fit and we're just saving him for the City game. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. Uh, when we go, uh, Ken, James, and Pete and I are going away for Pete's 40th birthday um, next week. And that game's on Wednesday, right? I think it's on Wednesday. Yeah, City game, Wednesday. 
and we are going on Thursday, so I think that'll determine a lot of James's mood on how that game goes. I think if you guys can get a point out of that, it makes for an interesting in, run. It'll make an interesting run because you know you still have a much worse run in than they do. Yeah, they just have that Brighton game, um, and you, and the rest are like bottom five, I think. So, uh, yeah, I mean we're coming down the stretch now. And Manchester City is showing no signs of backing off. They beat Leicester, who are terrible and are going to get relegated, Ken. Like like I said, way back in September, watching the way they handled the window, selling players, not adding players, and keeping Brendan Rodgers when they were in 20th place in, like, January. Um, Leicester lose, get blown out. I had a bet on this one, Ken. 3-0, 4-0, and 5-0 <laughs> for Manchester City. It looked great as Manchester City went up 3-zip in the 25th minute, and then they allow a crappy goal and don't score again. 3-1, um, they clearly just coasted through, which they can do. I actually think it's an opportunity missed in terms of goal differential. Um, you guys need to go crazy on your goal differential against Southampton. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you're down by seven goals now. Yeah. And, I mean, barring a City blowout, pray for a red card, I guess, and then you can blow City out. Um, you guys probably lost a goal differential race because of the hard teams you play versus the easy team City plays. Uh, but City here, I mean, they, they destroy Leicester. Erlen Holland has 32 goals, and are, they are in their 30th match. Um, the record for a Premier League, a 38-game season, is 32. He's tied it. He has eight matches left. He might sit one or two of those before uh, big Champions League matches, Ken. But anything to say about Erling Holland just scoring at will, basically? There's a beast. I mean, steal the century. Steal the century, that guy was. At that, at I mean, that price. Yes, but it's still the fact that City has more money than everybody else is still the reason he's eventually there. though you do Thomas let, let's talk about this for a second you do have to eventually <laughs> let this go every I'm not gonna let it go you have to because you're you're staring down the barrel of being that team you're gonna get sold and it's going to be to an oil family Oh, yeah, and then yeah, you're yeah, going yeah. to be that club. And then what moral high ground are you going to take? And there is something to be said. I mean, United was spending money like in the 90s and early 2000s when money didn't even exist. So it, it's, it's, just, it's just a changing of the money guard and, and things cost more money now. So, so yeah, it, it's, it's more like it, 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 it's like putting lights and in this big show like, oh, 100 million or 60 million. The bottom line is right now, you can't buy a player that is going to be a, a borderline squad player, for, especially if he's English, for less than 50. That's true. We are going to have a, a discussion about that towards the end of the year as we talk about, I mean, do we have to re, re reposition how we find, redefine how we, we see flops now? Because we have all these players. There are so many players in the top 15 of the transfer records, right, that are busts. Yeah. Like, you could argue that it's like 85% of them are busts. Seriously, almost, it is that high. Look at it like 
if you see a player that goes for 35, your first thought is almost like, well, who the hell is that guy? And he probably sucks. And 35 yeah, is a lot true. of money. Yeah, my, my contention with Holland isn't that 60 million isn't a steal for the best young striker in the world and at Ballon d'Or threat who is on has 45 goals in all comps and is already passing like almost every Premier League player that's ever played in terms of all comps. It's not that. It's that the transfer costs a lot more than people are giving it credit for. And people are saying, well, we never factored in agent costs before. Well, that's because the agent costs before were 10 million or 12 million. They're 40 here. That does mean something. And the fact that they brought him in on the highest wages in the league. Like, yeah, but no one it, else could do I that. Don't... That's what. That's why. That's why I, I pointed just don't out. Like to argue about like... the money being spent because eventually, that's fine. that's fine. If you want to compete, you have to spend. And I do understand that you some do. teams can spend more than others, but you we you can't punish teams, verbally punish teams, and, and put them to the fire every single time they buy a player just because they can. I'm not putting every team to the fire. I'm putting one. Just putting team City to the fire. 20... <laughs> 20, 20 players in two windows. It's never been done before. Chelsea's like, done it. The only team that's ever done it. The only team that's, that's come close to doing it is Chelsea yeah. this year. Chelsea um, spent close that's to another, a billion pounds on players. Well, $650 million over two windows. D- two that's, windows. It's outrageous. And that doesn't count what it's they outrageous. paid for Potter. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, we could talk about Chelsea real quick. Um, this is going to shock you, Ken. Chelsea lose again. They haven't won a game since <laughs> Frank took over. They haven't won. They're over three with Frank. Guess how many wins they have since September? Though, well, let me think about how many games that is. Uh, it's approximately twenty-five. I feel matches like in all it's four, right? It is yeah, four. I think I heard won that. Four, I read that. I, four matches. Yeah, four. Well. They only have 10 wins on the season. Yes, they have four wins since then. And, I mean, there were a lot of comments after the... They're 12 points from relegation. Yes, and thankfully, luckily for them, there's like five of those relegation teams that are horrendous. And You would think like a 10-win season? That's relegation form. No, 10 wins isn't relegation form. That's 39 points, Thomas. They've got 39 points Well, I mean, they're... There's 31. They've played 31 matches, so they're they're going to end up probably <laughs> with like well, 12. Obviously, I think they're going to be fine. I'm just saying like that that's terrible. That is relegation form, though. You're right. You're right. You're, the point you made is right because we're talking about the four wins in 30 or whatever it is in all comps. That is relegation form. They are negative three goal differential. They have 39 <laughs> points. They've scored less goals than Erling Holland. Um, in this, in the league, they have thirty goals. Holland has thirty. So bad. And I mean, after the uh, loss to the inevitable loss to Real Madrid, um, over two legs, finally Thiago Silva came out and said what everybody already knows, and the rumors that have been coming out. Chelsea has too many players to get settled. They can't settle. He said. We, everybody knows that we had to actually have our locker room expanded. They had had to expand it after the January window. They had to had carpenters come in and expand it. They said because we had people dressing in the hallway. Match-going players dressing in the hallway because 
they didn't do what they needed to do in the January window and sell or loan out and take the L. They can't. But you, I guarantee you they can't. I understand that. What you're saying by can't is that these guys have high wages and teams don't want to pay for a player who's on 180K. That's fine. You have to do what United did last window, last uh, January. The only good thing that Ralph Rangnick did was send out like seven United players on loan deals where they were eating, United were eating 30% of the wages, 40%. Oh, yeah, Arsenal did that. Yeah, because you can't have these guys in the locker room and be a serious club. You can't have no. 30 players in the locker room on wages over 100K and be a serious team. And that's exactly what Thiago Silva said after they lost to Real Madrid. He said, everybody knows that this team can't get settled because we have too many players. Did you hear um, Arsene Wenger's comments about Chelsea? No, I didn't. Uh, he was comment commentating on the Real Madrid game, and I guess words come out that Todd Bowley goes yes. into the locker room after every game. He's like a big locker room presence, <laughs> and apparently, like, gets into this team's ass yeah. about their performances. Wenger said, "Absolutely not. Yeah. I would never tolerate that." No, and he said, "In fact, it was in my contract. I had full authority over the team." Players don't get purchased without my say. Players don't go without my say. And he was telling all young managers, put that type of thing in your contract or else this type of thing is going to happen. It is a huge problem. I, I don't think it happens every match. I know it happened in this match. They showed Bowley going into the dressing room after the Brighton match. Uh, it was at home. They lost to Brighton 2-1. to one. Um, and they played horrendously again. And Bowley went in there and screamed at him. And it's like, if you're a world-class player, which a lot of these Chelsea players are, who have had world-class managers, a lot of them, some of them, like probably like 60-70% of them have won a Champions League. It might not be that high. They did win a Champions League not long ago, and a lot of these players were there. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're elite yes. level players, and they've gone from... Tuchel to Potter to Fat Frank Lampard. <laughs> yeah, and I think the idea of this American coming in... Now, I don't like to, to hate on Americans. We get enough as it is, Ken. But a guy who admittedly didn't know much about soccer, going in and laying into world-class players after the way that their upper management has handled things is what, is what got Tiago Silva saying... You can't just come in here and buy a whole bunch of players. It's not the way soccer works. Soccer is about fluidity. We saw, you know, Manchester United last year were one of the worst big good teams in the league, quote unquote with good, because they were so off the same page. You know, they were they were miserable and then you It'd be better for you to players. say the worst big team in the league. Yeah, the they worst were, big team. The worst the there we go. The worst big team in the league. It's better <laughs> it is. It's a better way to say it, and it's true. United was the was the team last year that underperformed the most because of the lack of cohesion in a game plan. And that was when they didn't have 30 extra players. They got rid of a lot of them, but Chelsea didn't. And it's unserious, Ken. That's the word for it. It's unserious to have all these players play. Um, you don't know who's going to be in the lineup now. You got another manager change. Now Mason Mount is a player that gets, gets used, and now that puts somebody else on the bench. You know, does that mean Felix gets put on the bench? And you know who survives all the managers? Who? Keppa. Keppa. <laughs> I saw 
I saw one of the Chelsea accounts that I follow. It was just like, they just keep shooting on him. Everybody wants to talk about advanced <laughs> metrics. He's like, advanced metrics don't mean shit if you're going to have a, a, a goalkeeper that's five foot ten. It's like they don't matter. That his save percentage doesn't matter because they're just shooting on him long. So sure, his save percentage looks good because long shots don't always go in. But when they do, it's a major problem. You know? Yeah, when they do go in, it's a savable shot by someone, anyone else in the league. Yes. Just based on height. Yeah, and and you can't coach height. And there's a reason that his save percentage is so high. It's because they're shooting from distance on him. That's what it is. I couldn't figure it out because he has a really high save percentage this year. I think it's like 78% or something. It's because they're shooting from distance on him and they're scoring (laughs) enough goals. It's not like they're scoring five, but they're scoring one or two goals from distance against Chelsea and then Chelsea can't score. It's simple. Well, yeah. I mean, they have more goals against than they have four. Yes, exactly. It's a big problem. And they're not walking these goals in. Uh, Worth noting, Ken, uh, Danny Welbeck. Uh, Arsenal legend, Manchester United legend, scores in this game. <laughs> he always scores against Chelsea, man. It's brutal. I feel like he always scores against big clubs. Danny Welbeck, his name, like you hear his name a couple times a season, and it's against big teams. Yeah, and Brighton. Like, what's he doing the rest of the season, though? <laughs> worth noting that Brighton was still Brighton in this match where they had that really high XG and don't score a ton of goals. They had 10 shots on target. So maybe we're giving, we're giving Kepa too hard of a time here, Ken, because he kept this game from being uh six to one. Sure. No. And actually he did make um, for all of the trash. We talk about Kepa. He did make two or three really good saves. Yeah, he did. He did this maybe game. Take it all back. He had nine. Uh, I'm not saves. taking it all back. No, He's no, still no. short. And yeah, uh, how how let's side like I, let's just stick to this for a couple more seconds. Mm-hmm. How happy are you as the Brighton owner though right now? Oh yeah, that was what I was gonna say. Looking at the table, like yeah, you ripped away our manager, but look what you got. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's their fault because I I believe that Graham Potter is a decent manager, but you can't work with that as a as a manager. You can't work with all these personalities, guys that don't speak English. Uh, Half of them don't speak English. Because they're I think new. Graham Potter fell into David Moyes' territory when David Moyes went from Everton to United. It was too big of a jump in not just like class of player, but uh, spotlight of team. I think maybe a little bit, but I think his job was a lot harder than David Moyes. United didn't make any real big changes in the offseason. You're which, right. Which you could they argue didn't because Fergie was given a season ticket and he never left the stadium. <laughs> you and I always argue about this. I'm not getting into this again. But Moyes inherited a close-knit team that knew their roles. And yes, maybe that was a problem because he was changing some of those roles. But not nearly as big of a problem as Graham Potter having 11 wingers. You know, like, that's a much bigger problem. All those players they brought in, a lot of them don't speak English. They're from other uh, countries. You know, um, Ukraine... France, a bunch of young French players. You think Graham Potter speaks French? Like, no. That that stuff matters in soccer. It's a little, it's a it's a small deal, but you know, it does matter because you got to be able to talk to the guy next to you. And if he doesn't speak the same language as you, that's an issue. Yeah, I, uh, I look at at the Chelsea situation. Graham Potter held on to a job for about ninety days longer than any other team would have kept him. True. 
True. And I think uh, there's a decent chance that he's the next Tottenham manager, by the way. Uh, Possibly, but I think that he... I do... Like, look at what... If you look at what Graham Potter did at Brighton... Mm-hmm. And maybe... Or maybe let's look at Brighton. Maybe it wasn't Graham Potter. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe that team... Maybe that team is just set up to play the way that they play and they have the perfect puzzle pieces in place to keep it going. Who knows? Maybe I, you could go in there and coach Brighton and the results don't change. I'm a good coach. Thank you. Uh, like, what I'm saying is, like, maybe it wasn't Potter, though. If you look at Potter's resume now, you from Brighton mm-hmm. to Chelsea, he sucked. Like, if you only know Potter from Chelsea, like, he doesn't get hired anywhere again. Right now, he's getting hired based off what he potentially did at Brighton. But he was there for a long time, so he... He should get credit. But for they're doing that better. DNA. Better. Well, they're doing the same, if yeah, not just, better, without him. They, I think they just took his game plan, tweaked it a little bit. But that that team is very settled, and that's what I was getting at. That makes a big deal to have sure. a settled squad that understands what they're supposed to be doing. And sometimes, you know, Bayern Munich just played Manchester City. Right. It's a perfect example of it. Bayern Munich wins the league every single year. They've won ten years in a row. They decided. They, yeah, of course, but they decided to fire Nagelsmann, who is there is a young up and coming manager, like 38 years old, because they didn't like the way his results looked in the league. They were in first place, although there are other teams around them and they expect to be way ahead by now and had the league clinched in the Champions League. They were eight and oh, they had allowed two goals in the Champions League. They fired Nagelsmann. It was a shock firing, especially since he was supposed to be like building up to it like a long-term manager although at Bayern they don't really do that um, but they said they didn't like the way the, the 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 locker room felt and they felt like if they made the change now they could salvage the league which in the meantime they've drawn twice they got knocked out of the uh, German Cup immediately after they fired Nagelsmann so that's two draws knocked out of the German Cup then they go up against a Manchester City team that is the most settled team in the world they have, they've had Pep for seven years. A majority of the core of those players were bought all at one time or over three windows five years ago. So they've all been in the system. There's one new player that plays frequently, and that's Erling Holland. He had a little bit of a settling time, uh, Ken. He needed some time to settle. Uh, in the beginning of the year, he was only scoring every single game, and now he's scoring like two or three times <laughs> a game. So he needed some settle time. Right? So my point is, Manchester City <laughs> totally settled. Bayern, not settled at all. They get the doors blown off them in the City match, and they have no chance. Whereas if they'd gone in with a settled squad with Nagelsmann, I think they would have had a chance at least. They're not as, they don't have a nine, and they have a lot of holes. But, you know, in the Champions League, it can be a lot of tight margins. Those tight margins show up when you have a settled team, Manchester City. Versus an unsettled team. And that's exactly what Brighton is to me. They are a settled team. Deserby? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. I don't know how to to pronounce it. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Can't put a Z and an R next to each other. Just saying. (laughs) Deserby is... I think he's a good manager. But he inherited a system that Graham Potter built. And I think that Graham Potter can be a good manager. He was just screwed by the Chelsea hierarchy. And let's end our conversation about Chelsea, please. We spent way too much time on a team. Yeah, a lot of time. I was going to say, this is a lot of time on Chelsea. They're they're Uh, terrible and they suck. Yeah, I just wanted to lead in for you to have Graham Potter be the next Tottenham manager because they need a manager, Ken. They lose 3-2 to at home to the 
in my opinion, the worst team in the league, Bournemouth. Bournemouth is going to survive the Premier League because of this win. Probably. Because of this win. Yeah. <laughs> Almost definitely because of this win. They had another win uh, a couple weeks ago. But beating this Tottenham team that still has Conti tactics in place, the same lineup, the same tactics, because Conti's assistant manager took over instead of taking a caretaker manager who could just play like a basic ass 4-4-2. That's all you have to do, Ken. And I think yeah. that with Tottenham has enough, has more talent than 70% of the league. You know, they can get enough results to maybe scrape fourth place the way the other teams, Chelsea and Liverpool are playing. But this loss is so bad for so many reasons. They lose it in the 90th minute 92nd minute chasing the game um but they didn't deserve it they didn't deserve to win no well it's bad because not what was it march yeah they they drew uh southampton and southampton came back and won that again like they're starting to ship goals in like 90 plus minutes like that that's never going to work in the position that they're in. Um I think what's going to end up happening the firing of Conti could cuz even now Pete and I've never heard Pete so openly talk about his disgust for the ownership mm-hmm. as I have as of late. I think that Daniel Levy might have made a pretty big mistake by firing Conti when he did because I mean he had to, no question. Yeah, he had, he to. had to. But now all the pressure is on him. All the focus is on him. There is no, to your point, they didn't even bring in a caretaker. They just fired the coach but left the assistant coach. What Weird. do you think's going to happen? Exactly what's happening now. What do you think's going to happen? The same thing because that guy learned from the guy you fired. Yeah. He his notebook is filled with Kantisms, which <laughs> which don't work for Tottenham. Conte's a serial winning manager. He's proven it time and time again. Um, but there's something going on at Tottenham. And I think now the fans have no choice but to look at Daniel. Like, dude, this might be your... This is your problem. I think, You're the issue at Tottenham. I th- Maybe it's not the manager at all. It's you. There's definitely something to be said about the impact that Daniel Levy has on Tottenham with his tactics what he does hiring managers firing managers how he treats managers and i think you know it's funny you think about daniel levy and extract extracting every single dollar he possibly can for transfers right and that strategy is great when you are a very small club and you need money Um, as long as you sell the players the problem is when you do this thing where you will not sell a player until the very last day of the, of the transfer window because that is your chance to cash in big. Now, Tottenham's actually missed out on several paydays on players. It's not a lot. You know, Erickson is one um, and Harry Kane's another. Where they decided that they were going to hold out until the last day and wait for a big bid and only then would they sell. Now, that got them you know, 86 million for bail way back when that was the transfer record, which is great. Um, but, but now you squandered have, that money. Yes. And now you have Harry Kane last year was in a, was in a rough mood for at least half the year. 
And now you're going into an off season. It's pretty unlikely you're going to get Champions League. It's not done. You know, it's 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 unlikely. By the way, the Europa League spot does not matter. So they have to get in the top four. If if United were to win Europa, that spot does not go to the Premier League. It goes to a um a, some other sub league that has two spots gets a third. It's stupid, but it's whatever. Um, so Tottenham can't get in the Champions League that way. They have to get in via top four. And the way Newcastle is now playing, uh, Manchester United seems to have stabilized with three wins in a row. I mean, I think if you're Tottenham, you, you got to make Europa, which is sixth. And it looks like Liverpool is going to put up a fight here as they win six to one um, and actually look really good against a bad Leeds team. But you're, if you're Tottenham, Ken, you got to make the Europa League. And I think you could have done that with basic tactics from a caretaker manager like Ryan Mason. And I think the way you don't get there is doing what they did keeping that Conti hangover going by having an assistant manager. Um, and now you have the, all these decisions to be yeah. made. It doesn't offseason. get easier. They got to go no. to Newcastle, play United, and no. then play Liverpool. They, If they want to make top four, they have to win. They probably have to take four points from Manchester United and Newcastle. And you probably have to beat Liverpool. You're going to have to beat Liverpool, Liverpool because no, Liverpool has draw. a game in hand on you. Yeah, and Liverpool's still... <laughs> they're still, like, what are they, six points back? They and their goal difference hand. is much better than Tottenham's. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, the problem is you don't look good. Like, they look <laughs> bad. Their their morale is on the floor right now. Their, their departing manager called them all pussies, basically, um, which... Watching the last game, like, I don't, well, I know you're not going to disagree with it, Ken, but like, that's that's what that all adds up to a really bad finish. And Pete's big thing is he was like, you know, as long as we don't make the conference league. And I'm looking at the schedule and I'm you looking might. at this team and I'm like, you could be conference league fodder. Could be conference because you have to assume Liverpool is going to go on a little bit of a run in the next yeah. eight games. And get some lame goal from their goalie or something. Or sure, kick, that could know? happen. And Tottenham's <laughs> schedule so is really hard. Yeah, they're going to have to show some life that they haven't shown at all. Tottenham's um, biggest problem, yeah, they look, when they look bad, it, it it's it's more obvious than when they're looking good, if that makes sense. Yeah, the only good thing they like, have, I mean, after this weekend, is that Newcastle got smoked by Aston Villa. Um, yeah. The good evening Unai Emery revolution continues. Higher, higher, hiring of the year. Unai Emery has the second most amount of points since he was hired in the Premier to, League. But remember when he took over, <laughs> they were in, I think, 17th place. One point they, from the drop. They were in 17th place. They are in 6th place. They are <laughs> six, six points out of a top four. Six points. They could get easily... Not easily, I shouldn't say easily. They could get into Europe. Aston Villa, the team that was under Steven Gerrard, was in relegation zone. They don't have a tough schedule either. I mean, they do play United at, at United, which is bad. Uh, but they play Liverpool away. That's bad. And then the, the other big game they have is Tottenham. That's at home. Well, they do have Brighton too. I guess they have a little bit a little bit of a rough but stretch. But they'll probably they, beat Tottenham. They have Brentford, Fulham, and Wolves. 
Yeah, they, they, I mean, the form that they're in versus the form that Tottenham's in, yeah. I mean, you can't count them out. And I think Aston Villa would be elated to make the Conference League. The way you know, Tottenham's the playing right now, and this is not like a dig at Tottenham or Pete, although I'd like it to be a dig. It's just watching the last couple of games, you're looking at a Tottenham team right now that could go the next seven games without a win. Oof. Yeah, damning statement but what they can't hold a lead they can't hold a lead but watching them ship three goals to bournemouth three goals and three goals to southampton don't forget three goals to southampton i mean that is that's a structural problem and you can't fire the manager for his structural issues because you already did So, oh man, ta- it, it is good to laugh at Tottenham's expense, but I feel bad for Pete. <laughs> he said, cracking up. All right, Bournemouth three, Tottenham two, um, Newcastle zero, Aston Villa three. And I mean, the story there is what we already said Unai Emery and his band of merry men tearing apart Newcastle. Um, and I mean, they're not in relegation zone, they're fighting for Europe now, and you do not want to play them. Manchester United does play them coming down the stretch here at least it's at old trafford next sunday um and united are amazing at home knock on wood so that (laughs) match actually ends up being more difficult which makes united's run-in more difficult um we play brighton in the fa cup so that's not a part of the run-in but we have tottenham away that game's supposed to be difficult i think it will be because they still have harry kane I guess they still sort of had Son, Ken, although he's just been awful this year. There's no other way to say it. He's had one or two flashes, and he's been awful, and a huge part of why they haven't been good is because he hasn't been good. Um, United also play Brighton away, West Ham away, and then um, the rest of their run-in, Wolves, Bournemouth, and Fulham should be relatively easy as two of the three of them will be, I believe, safe during that time period and then Bournemouth you got to be Bournemouth if you can't be Bournemouth then maybe you shouldn't be in Europe anyways so United have a tough stretch coming up <laughs> before that they did play Nottingham Forest this weekend they obliterated Nottingham Forest the goals were, it was only 2-0 but United um, proving that they do not have a 9 missed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity but looked good Ken so um, we're starting to pick up steam the big thing here in this match is watching Erickson come back, Casemiro come back, and Bruno Fernandez. Obviously, he's going to play the full 90 because he's had more minutes than anybody else this year. Why not just just see how far he can go? You know, maybe he'll just snap like a twig um, coming down the stretch or next year when his legs fall off. But Manchester United's midfield completely dominated a bad Nottingham Forest team. And... Um, in the 17 matches that Casemiro, Eriksen, and Bruno Fernandes have played together, Manchester United have won 15 of those and drawn two. They have not lost a game. Are you concerned with Martinez? What is his name? Lissandro. Martinez. Lissandro and um, Varane. Like, apparently they're out for the season. They are most likely out for the season. Uh, Lissandro definitely is. Uh, Liz Frank injury. What is this? 2006? Or metatarsal. Metatarsal injury. Ken, 2006 injury alert. Um, Weird. I didn't know. Is that the bone that breaks uh, from stress? Because it was a non-contact injury. 
I guess it is because I remember Wayne breaking it and uh, Michael Owen breaking it way back, way, way, way back. You think that's a little concerning though for your back line? Oh, definitely. Def- do I think it's a problem? Yes, I do. Um, the good thing is, Who, who's going to go in there? That that's both of your starting center back. Well, we actually have depth compared to every team in the league except for Manchester City. Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof. <laughs> you're, you're laughing. You have Rob Holding. You would take <laughs> Harry Maguire in a second over Rob Holding. Like Harry Maguire. I'd take myself over Rob Holding because I'd probably try a little harder. Yes, but what? that's my point. I mean, Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire played together for like two or three years. Granted, they were on the on the on the car when the wheels fell off, and probably a pretty big part of that. They did have good years though together. They are a functioning partnership. This isn't again Rob Holding, a championship level player coming in, or when Liverpool had uh, what was that guy's name, Nat Phillips, and there was another <laughs> guy in there that came from the championship who was like Slavic or something that they picked up. It's not that. Like Manchester United have. Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof, who are two international starting players. They are not top five center backs. Harry Maguire was for about five minutes when United had their nice run. He's not anymore. He's bereft of of confidence and form. But it's better them than what most teams, even the big teams, Arsenal, Tottenham, etc., have when they're starting to center backs go down. Yes, it is an issue. Harry Maguire bonked a ball into our net in the um, Europa League game. <laughs> he didn't know about it. just slammed off his head, gigantic head. And probably if it had been a smaller, less dense head, that ball just trickles to the goalie, you know? I mean, it hit him like 16 yards away from the goal and went in like flying past David De Gea. Like the, the, the physics behind it were like, I mean, they were, they were, Profound. I don't know how else to describe <laughs> Harry Maguire's effect on that game. But to answer your question, yes, I'm worried about it. But we are in a better position than any other team in the league, except for probably Manchester City, because we have two players sure, sure, sure. that have been starters long term. Um, is Does that mean that we're going to lose, miss some goals because Harry Maguire chops someone down or bonks the ball into his own net? Maybe. But we, we may not let up five goals, you know, hopefully. Knock on wood. I could eat these words really easily, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell. You know, the games come quick, so it won't take they long. They do. You know. um, Rashford is supposed to be back, and that's good because Jaden Sancho, in the last three matches where they've needed him to be good, has been poor. Still poor. Still dawdling on the ball. Yeah, he's bad. Like, he, you know. I don't, I don't want to say he's bad. He's just, he's not doing he's not it good right enough. now. He's not like, good yeah, enough. Like, um, we were talking. We'll get into the flop conversation towards the end of the year when things are a little more settled. Um, but we're at a point now. He is in that conversation of those players I was talking about with the high transfers. That you know they're flops. Like, so what are we supposed to? What are you supposed to pay for? What are you expecting now from players? We'll get into that regarding prices. And you've taken the the stance. I think that's just like. You just got to pay now. And then you're, you're taking a chance. He's He has not been good enough. He's His thinking is too slow. His decision-making is too slow. And he's not composed enough. It doesn't seem like he has the mentality 
to um, get over bad matches. He had an early miss in this match that seemed to just take him down back to where he was before. He he had some nice exchanges here and there, but his decision-making is too slow. On the flip side of that flop coin, um, I think Anthony has actually been really good over the last month or so. He's stepped up for Rashford. Um, he has 10 goals in all comps. A lot of people were talking about the flop thing, Ken. I kind of think that Anthony sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I really do. I don't think he I sucks. Really I think... I think... I never see him doing anything of of productive value for the team. I think his progressive dribbling and then he drops the ball back, which you can argue about, you know, drive at the player, et cetera, et cetera. He keeps the ball and he's dangerous with the ball. He needs to do more to assist. Part of that is he's very left footed and he has to do that thing where he cuts in and shoots. Um, right, I think, yeah, exactly. I think that in the position that he plays, he has to be creating more chances. And while we're on the topic of money, for the money that was paid for him, he owes the club more goal-scoring opportunities. Yeah, I mean... And I'm not saying that, like, I think that that's actually, you know, at the same sentence, I think that that's actually unfair pressure to put on him. The, the price that was paid for him. Because I think the price that's paid for you is the price that's paid. And that's not really your burden to carry as a player. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, if we're going to talk about valuations of what players cost, I don't think Anthony is bringing to the table what he was what what he was bought for what he was what, yes. what you paid for. Okay, so so over the whole season, I agree. I agree with that completely, especially over the first three months. My point was that he is playing well now additionally United don't look that good on that right hand side and it affects their play when he's not available and then part of that is because of their uh, Jaden Sancho hasn't been good enough out there um, and they ended up having to move Bruno Fernandez out there well that's the drop off in in your in your bench that that's where having really good stars that are okay playing for a team that is potentially going to challenge for a title every season so they're okay playing that substitute role comes into play and right now you know united is just not at that point so there's a a big problem i think that in that position i think that anthony actually I, i really do think he's been um he's been good over the last 45 days 60 days and part of it is his shape and his work rate. And I, I know I know that that is a cop-out. And I believe he has to score more. His his season stats have to be better. He's actually... Sc- I'm not necessarily saying score more. Just create more chances. Like, I'd like someone in his position in this Manchester United team with Rashford for the majority of the time in the middle. Mm-hmm. And when he's playing the way that he has been playing over the last... Minus the injury the last couple of weeks. But... Over the last, you know, two to three months, Rashford has been, like, unstoppable. I'd like to see Anthony creating the majority of those chances. Yeah. And he just doesn't. He doesn't. I think his, again, I said this before, but because he's so one-footed, he cuts across. And that takes away a lot of passing options from you. But his role in this team is actually progressing the ball. He's the one who picks it up. He is like second or third in progressive carries. I don't think that that's something that should define a player. But in terms, uh, Thomas, of, I but it, I don't want to cut you off here, but yeah. you kind of you're describing 
You're, Jack you're Grealish. Jackie. I know, I know, I know it. I <laughs> and know. you yell at James for that. That's what I'm like, saying. Like it, he didn't cost much more than Anthony did. Well, the difference is that Manchester United has 35 goals and Manchester City has 70 because they are a settled offense with a goon at the front who does not miss. United have missed so many chances. I guarantee you if you looked at it, Jack Grealish has created more chances than Anthony. Yes, he has. He plays in the best offense in the league. That's what I'm saying. United don't have a good offense. They have 30. Ah. They have half the goals of Manchester City. Half. So, yes, that is true. If Anthony played for Manchester City, he would have more goal contributions than Jack Grealish. I don't want to make this about Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish has played really well, really, really well over the last... Say it days. again for James. Say it again for really, James. Really, really well over the last 30 <laughs> days or so. But I believe that he's still a player that if he was replaced, the person behind him would have a much more productive season than him. Uh, Jack Grealish, what he's done well this year is hold the shape. But Manchester City don't just need that. Whereas Manchester United do need that. They need a player who can hold their shape, especially when they're missing Casemiro and Eriksen who have redefined their shape and settled their shape but they're missing those players for roughly two months of the year, which happens. I think bottom line is I think Anthony has been a net positive for Manchester United this year. And Jaden Sancho has not been, he has not done anything. Oh, he's been a negative. Yeah. hundred percent negative. Yes. Cause we also had to like ship him off for like eight weeks so he could go. Yeah. He wasn't even in, he wasn't even hanging out with the team. No, no. And he was gone. He's on really high wages and he needs to grow up. He needs to stop that thing that he did in the Bundesliga. It doesn't work. Where he dribbles down to a stop and then tries to cut around a guy. It doesn't work in the Premier League. The defenders are too big, too strong, too fast. You can't do that. Anthony has Yeah, there's something that to be out. said about, you know, time that it takes to adapt to the league, but mm-hmm. you have to be in the country <laughs> to adapt to the league. Yes. He wasn't even in the country. Yes, but he's been in the league for two years. And he grew up playing English soccer. So he, well, he should know. Yes, he should, but he doesn't. So like the, I think that, you know, I think not to tangent into this because we'll talk about it towards the end of the season. Yeah. I think with the the value that players are starting to cost, the, the amount that they're not just to get the player from the team they play with, but then to pay them on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. it is going to require much more pressure and much more intelligent football knowledgeable dudes at the director of football levels within these clubs that have to take massive accountability for the players that are being brought in along with the managers buy-in and and uh recommendation well so i i think that there'll be a fundamental change whole wholesale like i know obviously a lot of teams have director of footballs already but not all teams have that yeah and i think that is one of the, the, the combination there is, is what makes City's hit rate so high is because Pep Guardiola says, that's my number one target. That's the player for my system. Go buy him. Yep. And that's what yes. they go and do. Granted, granted, there's only one team in the world that can do that. And that's them. They can buy any player that they want for their system. Whereas Arsenal, Manchester United, Tottenham, um, all those teams, even Real Madrid couldn't afford Mbappe. You know, they couldn't they couldn't get enough they couldn't send enough money at him to get the number one target they wanted. Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, we have to settle often for our second and third targets, and we have to Manchester United especially overpay for them. 
Tottenham has done the same exact thing. They're settling for their second or third targets for a long time in Dombele and players like that, Sanchez. And what that does to you, Manchester United, is it, it you're overpaying for a player that is not actually the best fit. And City's the only team that can go in there and say, all right, I want this player, the number one player, and that's who I'm going to get. Just go get him. But actually, like, this is such a big, like, it takes too much time to talk about yeah, this argument. we'll get to it. So it doesn't matter. But Holland wasn't the best fit for City. They just wanted him. We can talk about that at another time. We're it really wasn't. They don't play with it. Like, they don't play. Like, they won the league without a striker. But that's the point like, is that they are already set so they could afford to bring in a one-dimensional just scorer because last year we were talking about it when Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus were missing every chance they got. We were like, okay, sure. if they go out and get Harry Kane, Lewandowski, Holland, then they're going to get all these goals. And that's exactly what they're doing. They just... They practically bypass Erling Holland because they've been doing it for three years without a striker, you know, without a set striker. I mean, Kuhn was there a couple of years ago, but he was injured all the time. So they ended up with a false nine every game. They were playing yeah. without a striker anyway. But sure. anyway, let, let's not go into that yet. Let's, uh, let's, let's finish up the podcast. We've covered all the weekend's action. We've covered all the upcoming action. And I think, uh, Ken, coming down the stretch here, I think you need a diaper because I think Arsenal is going to shit their pants. I'm worried about myself. And that the same thing I've been saying the whole season since we took over the top spot. Right now, I'm over the past results. I'm only thinking about Southampton. So, Okay. Okay. I hear you. That's the right strategy. Um, we will see. That's all we can do. We'll have a good podcast after that. Uh, Arsenal Manchester City match. I think that's a big one. The the United yeah. Tottenham match is there too. I hope Ken that you are able to watch that match by yourself or maybe with with your son that is is a fan of Arsenal and not the one that doesn't like Arsenal. Uh, yeah. Ledge, yeah. Ledge I, I can't won't be even let him. Yeah, I'm about to kick him out of the house actually. <laughs> he's 6. <laughs> I've threatened it before. Yeah, he's No, no, he's 7. He's 7. seven. Don't give sorry. him credit. I'm don't sorry. don't give him credit. <laughs> <laughs> you should know better. You should know better. All right, Ken. So anything to add to Arsenal, Manchester City, etc.? No, no. Just uh, on to the next one. Hopefully Saliba's ready for City. Sure, sure. All right, I'll just say that um, I'm glad that Tottenham did not pick a real manager because Manchester United's brief drop in form in March would be killing me right now. Um, it really looked like we were... We're, we're in the scrum, but we're almost out. We're almost out of the scrum because we've beaten three bad teams in a row. And um, I think if we just beat the bad teams, we will finish in third. Um, distant third, by the way. Distant third. But mm -hmm. Champions League is all that matters, Ken. Right? Yeah, if you're not going to win the league. Yeah. Fourth, third, second. Who cares? Next time, we will talk treble. Actually, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll talk treble next time. We'll talk treble a little bit more. We'll see how the dust, dust settles with uh, City and Tottenham and um, Tottenham, jeez, Arsenal, <laughs> City and Arsenal. Uh, City plays Real Madrid next. That is their big stumbling block um, for Champions League. We'll see what happens, Ken. All right. Got it. For Ken Lee, for James Lewis, who is in a 36-hour travel loop right now. He's coming back. And for Dr. Pete, I'm Tom Miller saying I hope everybody has an awesome week. You see James texting while we're doing this? Is he? Yeah, he's texting 
because I put the times for the swear words in the text because I'm not actually next to my computer. I'm yeah, like, he said Bush League. What an asshole. Yeah. What an asshole. Sit on a plane. <laughs> We're amateurs. He's not even on the podcast. I know. I know. But if you guys drop this title, you will never hear the end of it from him. Ever. Well, I mean, it's James. We'll never hear the end of it no matter what. That's true. He does talk all the time. People go and watch, so. watch that Champions League final. People went and watched that where City lost to Chelsea just because of him to root against City. <laughs> it's a true story. Absolutely true.